of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia. And that is all of you out there, this great Radio Contra family that we have put together yesterday, trending number two across all of the podcasts on Podbean. We were trending number two, and I am very, very, very proud of that. Uh, on that topic, of course, American Partisan site sponsor and a close personal friend of mine, Mr. Bob Griswold. You know him as the owner and operator of Ready-Made Resources over in Tennessee. We've worked on a large number of things together. He's been on a huge number of nationally known, nationally syndicated radio shows, and he's been a frequent guest on this podcast as well. I consider him to be a survival expert, and he has got a very interesting background in a large number of relevant topics. But uh, without much further ado, Mr. Griswold, it's good to have you, brother. Well, it's good to be here, you know, and I, I, I do want to do a call out here. You know, we just had that uh, four-day class uh, here at our property, um, and you did two days of fighting carbine and two days of, uh, you know, the sources and methods, intelligence gathering, that type of thing. And boy, oh boy, I, I'll tell you, it is it is great training. Um, you know, Matt, we all know people who buy gear and think they're going to put it in their um bug out bag or somewhere and then all of a sudden one day they're going to need it and they're going to pull it out and be able to use it you know i've watched i watched bruce lee use noon chucks to play ping pong since i've watched it i can do it right um <laughs> I, I wish i i wish i wish um but you know the training is so undervalued in a lot of people's minds that we need this kind of training because you know, no matter what the crisis is, and these crises are going to continue because they have a very demoralizing as effect on the American psyche, American people. I mean, it's basically post-traumatic stress for the whole nation. I think that's what we're seeing right now is post-traumatic stress. That's why you see overeating uh, diseases. You see uh, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, sex addictions. You, you see despondency, despair. I mean, people get, go to the grocery store and they see, you know, their the groceries bill is doubled or tripled. They go to the gas station and it's like outrageous, the price of gas. 
and and it's just a continual assault on people. And and first of all, when you have training like that, I mean, through those classes are some really stellar guys that come there. You know, we have LE people, uh, we have just average citizens, and they all come. And I mean, all of them are just really good people to be around. A couple women in there. And it was just, uh, you know, a a, a nice flavor to have them in there. I worked with one of the women when we were doing the one-time pad codes, and it was a lot of fun. So I I just, again, want to just say to people, this is absolutely critical. What you learn when you take a course such as the ones that Matt offers is going to get Take the gear that you've spent money on, hard-earned money, and it's going to make you be able to utilize it in ways you haven't even imagined. Um, And so I just want to encourage people. uh, The RTO courses on radio communication, you know, I know you're scouting courses, all these courses you have, uh, you're not going to buy a a better training anywhere uh, with with that. So I I just encourage people to, to make sure that you just don't buy gear. Uh, you buy a training because that training is so valuable. And I, I just know for the courses we've had here, uh, the feedback I get from the people who've taken it is just outstanding. That lady, Carol, that took the course, uh, she was just like, I, this, I learned so much. And, you know, Roxanne sat in on one day, my wife, and she was like, she was getting into it. You know, uh, I, I know we're getting a little off topic, but I, I remember the first time I brought my wife to a dojo. I think, well, she'll come here and do that. Well, you know, before I knew it, she was uh, getting her black belt and having her own dojo. So I'm afraid we're, <laughs> it's going to go now. So, but, but with that said. That's uh, a good thing. Yeah, I know that's it's a good, good thing. thing. I mean, it's, it, it's that's, and that, you know, getting, getting started on that warrior's path. You know, whatever it is, making the jump in into the training world. I mean, you know, how many people that you run into quite often that you and, and you mentioned it, that just buy gear, they put it in a box, they put it in a bag. All right. Well, what are you doing from there? I mean, do you have the mastery of skills? I mean, you know, it it. It's kind of like getting into the weapons debate. Everybody online, they like to get into the weapons debate. Oh, I use this or I use that or whatever. It's like, look, that that's a tool, okay? A carpenter can pick up any hammer and use it. Of course, they have their preferences, but a carpenter can pick up any hammer and use it and have that knowledge to use it and put it to good use and to know what kind of saw he needs and what type of wood that he needs and everything else, you know, and, and it's a trade. And... All, all of these things, I mean, without without the the professional level of instruction, you're going to you're 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 really going to suffer. And there, there's a lot of people out there who have this just mindset that, oh, I don't need training. I'll just figure it out when the time comes. And I mean, you know, we you and I both know these people. And I, I mean, I'm sorry they, you're not. You know, it, it's you're going to fail. But it's, yeah, you put it's, a lot of gears somebody else is going to take advantage of because they're going to take it away from you um, right. through, through superior, superior tactics and training. They're going to take it away from you. And, and that's why I just can't emphasize the training enough. And I've been to a lot of different trainers. And I'll tell you, you know, I really I do really enjoy training with you. Um, you know, I, what I like the most is you don't bring an ego to it. Uh, you know, which which is a good thing. So uh, people can feel comfortable 
Um, a lot of novices come, and so they feel comfortable. Even if they make a mistake, you know, it's not like what you idiot this type thing. That it's it's all in the learning process, you know. And it's it. I, I had a gentleman come a little while ago and bought an enormous amount of night vision, thermal, and all this other stuff. And I asked him, well, "Do you get any training?" And he went, uh, "Well, I'm just going to stick it in the closet when I need it." And I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, you know, it flew in on our plane to come see me." And I was just thinking, you, you're going you're to lose all this stuff, dude. I mean, somebody with tactics, yeah. you know what to do, and you're going to lose it all. And you just spent all that money to, to equip somebody else. And that's what's going to happen. But um, and, and, you know, the, the, I cannot overstress the importance of training getting into the subjects we want to talk about tonight, because we see this nation just crumbling right before us. I mean, Matt, I'm 66 years old. I have never seen the, the level of gratuitous violence just wanton acts of violence against anyone. I mean, just a story the other day, a guy guy walking with his toddler in Montana, somebody drove over him and and then pulled out a shotgun and shot the toddler and, and, and the gentleman. I don't know the backstory behind it, but it's just, we see it over and over and over again. A, a 73 year old man just beaten to death by a gang of teenagers. I mean, uh, you know, the, 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 the mall shooting with a guy, I mean, that guy's incredible, the 40 yard shot. Um, yeah, but you know, and then on top of that, we just see the, the breakdown of law and order. We see the breakdown of the morals of this nation. We see the de devaluation of our currency. We see the corruption of the news media. That, that the absolute how education has been turned into, uh, you know, um, sexual grooming schools. I mean, you name it, religion, the churches no longer preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of them do it. They preach, you know, whatever they want people want to hear. So th this nation in every sense has lost its its moral foundations, which hold it together. The glue which holds our society together has been really been disbanded. I When I used to build guitars, um, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but they were pretty intricate. Yeah. And, and I remember when, you know, I use CA glue, uh, you know, super glue, it's a different kind. But I mean, when something got glued, there was always a that dissolving that could dissolve it. And, you know, even as strong as super glue is, you put that dissolving agent on it and it breaks it down. And, you know, as strong as the United States was, I mean, we were a, a pillar of strength, you know, 50 years ago. But, you know, we've had that glue dissolving agent put on the nation and it has affected everything. Like I said, it used to be separation of church and state. That's what they croaked out of their mouth 24-7. Separation of church and state, separation of church and state. And now they've, they've flipped it to where the state is going to, you know, dictate to the church. Uh, 81 million Americans who hold their religious faith deeply, that believe in the sanctity of life, that believe in the sanctity of marriage, that believe there are transcendent rights and wrongs. Um, they're, they're, the state's going to dictate to them and say, you can't have those beliefs anymore. If you do, we're going to penalize you. You're going to lose your job. You know, you know, we're going to we're going to lower your social score. And eventually, I think it'll affect Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. They'll eventually tie it into all those things. To where you know do that and you know drudge today right today right now I'm, I'm looking at it you know they're talking about republicans are running on let me get it up here republicans run on civil war i mean it, they're blaming the republicans for exactly what they're doing and this is the this is the gaslighting that we see the Democrats are the ones that are creating the civil war. We haven't left the standard. The conservatives haven't left the standard. We haven't left the constitutional values we believe in. They've left it, and they're trying to shove it down our throat. And we're saying, no, we won't take that. We're not going to do that. And, well, you, you guys want a civil war then. You know, I was watching um, somebody on uh, one of the congressmen the other day talking to this lady who believed uh, DNA men, men who have DNA, you know, uh, could get pregnant. And and and, she, and then she says, well, do you think men can get pregnant? He said, no. And, and you know, her thing is, well, you're, you're, you're encouraging violence against gays. And I'm thinking, 
oh my gosh how do you get from that point to the other because i don't it's it's something we need to talk about it's it's a topic you we we refine the truth by discussion and you can't do that now because if you question any of their agenda anything the most absurd agenda they have um you what you're racist you're homophobic you're uh, promoting violence against this people group or that people group um and it, it, it's 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 literally bordering insane. And at the same time, we see they have they're acting on in a completely lawless platform. That's the platform right now of these uh, globalists and and liberals in our government is a, a a thing of lawlessness. But it's it's a double standard lawlessness. They can act lawless. Let's go back to Hillary's uh, private you know server. I mean anybody anybody who did that should be put in prison for the rest of their life. Because it, 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 top secret documents that even Comey said they were top secret documents were compromised. Um, Sam Brighton of Britain. I mean, you know, he, he has so many things in his background that that say you can't have a top secret clearance. I mean, that's just the, right. when, you, when you go to get a Q clearance, and that's what he has, the highest clearance you can get. You you have if you if you don't have certain uh, things if you have certain things in your background you can't get it. But that doesn't matter with these people. If it was if it was Donald Trump's son or something like that and he had this, it'd be a different set of standards. And we see it over and over again. You know the, the January 6th people. I mean they these people are going to do hard time. Um, I mean yeah. hard time. And yet uh, you know Colbert they go into the Capitol uh, illegally. They, all charges are dismissed. We see the people right. in Washington and Seattle, all charged, nothing happens. I mean, they're just let go. And, and right. now we see Steve Bannon, um, you know, contempt yeah. of Congress, contempt and, of Congress. That's that's one of the things that, that I wanted to, to bring up is, of course, you know, one of the big news things that dropped on Friday, the conviction in a D.C. court, um, you know, they obviously judge shop. They, that's absolutely what they did. The D.C. We know that um, the left coast is pretty notorious for this, but the D.C. circuit is well known, well known to be absolutely one sided. Um, you know, on yesterday's podcast, I pointed out that, uh, you know, the the FBI, the uh, all, all the federal law enforcement, which, you know, the, the FBI is really the, the top of the heap when it comes to federal law enforcement agencies. But they are all centrist organizations that represent the interest of the power structure that exists in D.C. and the courts do as well. And that power structure right now is has has felt threatened by this populist uprising that we had. Now, you know, a lot of people on the left have made this into something that it was not. So, oh, you know, they were going to overthrow the government on January 6th. That's absolutely absurd. Um, all right. So they took an unscheduled tour of the Capitol building. OK, hey, Matt, Matt, how many revolutions do you know that if not had a gun on them when you could overthrow, uh, overthrow the most powerful yeah. government on the on the planet? But we don't bring in any guns to the revolution. Not even a knife. Right. I mean, right. OK, yeah. Yeah. But the, the point is, is that they, they absolutely felt threatened. And Steve Bannon right now is is the the top uh, high value target that they could go after. Uh, they had Alex Jones. They thought that they had Alex Jones. but They didn't have enough. Right. Bannon, the best they could do is contempt. Everybody that has any sort of legal training knows that when you you can't get somebody to fall for the perjury trap, 
you go for contempt of court. That's 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 it. That you always will go for the weakest charge that you can get on somebody to still get them, and it's an intimidation tactic. But but all that aside, all, all the the speculation, the Monday morning quarterbacking, whatever. There's a lot of outlets that that have talked about that. Uh, but the dual system of justice, which I think is is really the most alarming. It is one that I discussed over on the Pinelander podcast with uh, uh, Special Forces veterans, uh, Mike Blackburn and Paul LaFaver, um, who that episode is going to be airing on the 29th of July. So uh, here in just five days, it's going to be going up. So all the listeners, I highly encourage you when when uh, to definitely subscribe to that podcast here on the Podbean platform, as well as anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Uh, but that, but, but listen to that episode, because we talked about that. And in a revolutionary model, which is one that, that we are steadily headed towards, and, and it's uh, not exclusively a, a conservative, because there's, there's no such thing as conservative revolution. Um, there's a conservative reaction, which is a counter-revolution, uh, but when when you have revolutions, right, quote unquote, when you have revolutions, it's always a left wing thing. OK, and we, we are definitely in that revolutionary model. But one of the things that I encourage everybody to look for is this shadow governance activities and the dual system of justice that that seems to exist. There's a double standard that is created once that shadow government begins to expose itself, which is exactly what we are facing. That is exactly what we are seeing. And this case with Steve Bannon is no different. You know, we had Eric Holder, who is uh, contempt of Congress. We had Lois Lerner, very famously, uh, the IRS comptroller, who was weaponizing uh, 501c3 against conservative organizations, the tax-exempt status, uh, which you know was was obviously stilted against uh, churches, but right-to-life groups as well as pro-gun groups and and really anybody else that that was seeking tax exemption status. That was all being weaponized, you know. We had scandal after scandal, which were all hallmarks of corruption. Nothing happened to these people. Nothing happened to them. They were Russia convicted. Collusion. Steel dossier. Steel dossier is another one. And and what? So that's sedition, right? That's a very clear cut case of sedition. And this this is one that Jim Garrison back in the day with the JFK. Um, after the investigation, after uh, the Warren Commission and everything else, Jim Garrison would have had a field day with something like that, uh, but didn't. Where are all the prosecutors? Where is the FBI on this? They're not, they're not going after the truth, and they're not going to go after the truth because they are backing this. So yeah, and, with, with Bannon— and this this exposure of the dual system of justice, this is deeply concerning. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, and also, you know, I, I I have some friends that have been in federal law enforcement, and they're good people. Um, and he said, okay, so we tr- bring Hillary Clinton to trial. Where's she going to be tried at? In Washington, D.C. Look at the jury pool. Do you think you would ever, ever, I mean, I mean, Joe Biden, you could have him doing anything to children. Video, hundred Biden, and they know 
if, if they're tried in Washington, D.C., they will never get a conviction. Never. It's just not going to happen. Um, so th they know this. And so the, even if they which I don't think they do, but even to say that, like, let's just say there was somebody who wanted to bring charges, they have they have that obstacle to go around. Now, um, since we see Joe Biden being thrown to the wolves and Hunter Biden being thrown to the wolves, they might get that conviction because it'll placate a lot of people in this country. Oh, finally, we have justice. No, they're just getting, I mean, it just shows you they have no loyalty whatsoever. Uh, I think there's a, a good chance they're going to throw those two to the wolves. Now, Joe Biden, probably not. He probably not, you know, sane enough to, to be tried in a court of law. But uh, Hunter, they throw him to the wolves and everybody goes, oh, there is justice in the United States. No, these people, these people realize that that's just going to be a stake bone thrown to group, a group of people. And, you know, everybody will feel good over it. But let me just I want to describe something, the enemy we face. OK, here, here it is. And so, first of all, every corporation of any size in the in the United States has been infiltrated by globalists and one worlders, everyone. The, the churches have been infiltrated by globalists and one-worlders. The, uh, the, the mon monetary system is a fiat monetary system that's you know, run by globalists, George Soros-type people. You know, our government obviously has a globalist agenda. I look at every institution of government, the, the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., and the bureaucracy in most state governments and all this, it's all have been leaned towards you know, globalist and one world is the new, the, 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 obviously the military's headed that direction. So we have a formidable enemy here. And, you know, one thing they can't stand is the truth. And that's why they want to silence people, but it's a formidable enemy. And, you know, they, they're very good at psychological manipulation and that's what they'll do. They'll throw Hunter Biden to the, to the wolves um, and, and everybody will feel good about it and go back to sleep while they continue their agenda. Um, and, and that's what I fear because um, we are one step away from complete destruction of the United States. And I, and I want to bring this up. You know, they're talking about de declaring a climate emergency. Okay, we got to get a climate emergency. If you look at the statutory authority that gives these people, I mean, everything. Can cars create global warming? So I can, by statutory authority, I can regulate what we do with cars. Gasoline, obviously. Diesel, obviously. Um, you know, do, do, does the live, the livestock uh, create uh, climate change? Obviously, because of cow flatulence, horse flatulence, pig flatulence. You know, all this. So that we that comes under statutory authority. And let's define it what it is. That's ruling by edict. Uh, and that that's how close we are. These people have have empowered themselves to such a degree that they no longer, I mean, the, the amendment process to the Constitution hasn't even been tried since the Equal Rights Amendment back in the early 80s because they know they can't get it through. So they just rule by fiat. They rule by giving themselves statutory authority to implement whatever law they write any way necessary. That's basically incorporated into the verbiage of all laws they pass anymore, that Congress has the right to, to do whatever it takes to implement this law. And so, you know, we're seeing this right now coming to fruition. This climate, I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand the, the real danger of what we face here, because once we say that the climate is an emergency, you know, we have, oh, it's the hottest it's been since 1937. Well, what caused it in 1937, guy? Do we ever discuss that? No, but it's whatever, you know, they do. So we need to, we need to buy, by dictatorial authority, we need to completely, completely change the United States of America. We are that close to that happening. And like I said, on top of that, um, we are at the at the position right now where government is wanting to obtain what the church has, and that's uh, the rule by you know divine authority, and they're trying to implement their version of you know uh, theology, their orthodoxy 
on everyone in this country. And if you disagree, then you're some kind of homophobic, whatever trans, whatever, whatever uh, pejorative term they want to use against you. But they are pushing this civil war right now. And, you know, so, Matt, I'm always about solutions. You know, what do we do? I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask you that rhetorical question. You know, we see this happening. I mean, the news media is corrupt. The schools are corrupt. The government's corrupt. The monetary system's on the verge of failing. Uh, our borders are wide open. I mean, I heard Tucker Carlson the other day saying, talk about, you know, replacement uh, you know, ideology. I mean, he's 100 percent right. And I don't mind immigrants coming into the country as long as they you know, hold, hold to the values of our Constitution. But we're just being flooded with people who have no idea what constitutional Republican government is. And so it, it is happening. But Schumer called him a racist, a bigot, a homophobe, a danger to the society, all, all these other things. So when we see all this going on, Matt, what should the average person be doing right now? Well, you know, the, the answer, again, it, it lay with community networking and training. Like, for example, let's look at what the left has done in their long march through the institutions. Now, knowing that, that coming from a conservative libertarian mindset of, uh, you know, well, why won't they just leave me alone? They're not going to leave you alone. No. And, and this is one of those things that, that a lot of, um, I'll, I'll say a lot of the older generation, your generation, uh, they have a very hard time accepting this, that you know, well, I, I just wanted to be left alone. They're not going to leave you alone. Okay. You, you, I'm not saying abandon your principle. Okay. But I am saying if, if you are the, the 50 plus generation out there, if, if you're the, the baby boom generation, um, you know, and, and even some of the early Gen Xers, you're not going to be left alone. Okay. You, it, it is time for you to get off the sideline and say, all right, you know, this is what I have to do. And it begins, I, I was talking about the last uh, live show that we did of uh, Sons of Liberty podcast that uh, in, in that last episode that folks really need to get involved with their local church. And here, here's why. So let's say, you know, there's, I mean, I'm not going to miss words. There's, there's been a, a fairly large exodus uh, of your everyday citizens from from the church hierarchy. And they've gotten away from that. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, and, and I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm just saying that, that there are some reasons for that. So you need to get involved, reignite, you know, your activity, your devotion to the church. Now, you know, does that mean you have to become a Bible thumper? Hey, that that's not for everybody. All right. That, that now it is for you and I, because we come from that background. We're men of faith because we've, we've struggled with some hard times, but more so you have to understand that the church is a living entity. It is your community. It is your people around you. And at the most local level. And that is what you have the influence over. That is what you can control. We, you know, none of us can control what goes on in D.C. And me personally, I mean, I'm not throwing my hands up and, and uh, giving up, obviously. Obviously, I'm in the trenches slogging it out every day. But it, it's, it's a realization that, that us as individuals can't do very much in the big scheme of things to prevent what we see, the, ch the changing of the course in D.C., but what we can do is get involved locally. And 
you know, I teach things from from kind of the the gorilla perspective, right? Because that's that's uh, my background in, in you know military background, unconventional warfare, and and getting into that paradigm. That's what I'm preparing people for is for that next step. But it takes you building that underground already that support network at the local level that you have that influence on that you get the training and now you can replicate that with others now i'll take that a step further you have to be properly prepared for that as well all right so it's it's like uh, you were telling me about uh, last weekend there was a guy that, that came out there and you you see this fairly often so it's oh hey i want to buy a year's worth of food okay well that's all good and well did you buy a year's worth of food for you or did you buy a year's worth of food for your entire family? Because those are two different things. How about you bought a year's worth of food for your family, but then you put aside a little bit extra because you're always going to have those people who are going to come across your doorstep and they're valuable people. Okay. They're valuable people. Maybe they didn't have the, the insight and the wisdom that you were blessed with now. Maybe they didn't see that. Maybe there was a lot going on in their life that they just didn't get prepared for. Maybe they're they're part of the under 25 crowd where they're out there living their life, man. They're they're being youthful and they're they're doing all the things that kids do and they absolutely should. Okay, they absolutely should. But you got to have a plan to to take care of them too. Now, here's a big solution that I offer that I've brought up in the past and will continue to do so for the older folks to say, you know, like, all right, you, you're not necessarily in your, your prime anymore physically. All right. That's okay. It, it's not slighting anybody. Age is creeping up on us all, man. I'm in my mid thirties. I don't move the same way I did when I was that stud in the army, you know, long range surveillance unit, been to all these badass schools, you know, kicking in doors and doing all this crazy stuff overseas. Hey man, you know, I don't, I have a lot of injuries from that, that I have to deal with, you know, and, and, and I know that as the years follow on, it's, it's going to get worse and worse, man. The arthritis and everything else. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. You can see those youth that are in your church or maybe in that community outreach group that you're a part of, you know, boy Scouts, they, they catch a lot of flack these days. Some of it deserved. It was another institution that the left corrupted, but Hey, if you're involved in that and you're doing a, you're, you're influencing that organization in a positive direction, in a good direction, and you're giving it what it needs to have, right? Hire somebody to come take a class or, or teach a class rather. You know, I've, I've had people do that in the past. They've reached out to me. I had a minister that did that. They said, Hey, you know, I've got a youth group. It's part of my church. I want you to come teach them a class. All right. You know, and, and I did so and didn't, and, and here's the thing. I didn't know, you know, that, that I didn't know the entirety of the circumstances before I went down there, but it was one of the most fulfilling experiences that I had. Everybody in that class was young and I don't mean they were like little kids, right? They, they were mature enough. They were a fighting age. They were what we would call a military age male overseas, but this guy, right, the leader of the church, the shepherd of his flock, took the church funds and paid for a class. How many folks out there, say like the guy you talked about, who chartered his own plane, who came to your place, who bought a mountain of gear from you and bought all this stuff. What if he had what if he had dialed that back a little bit? 
and had hired a couple of trainers to come train a group of people. You know, and, and he certainly could have afforded to do that. He probably wouldn't have needed to dial it back. I think he was uh, financially well enough to say, listen, I'm going to hire, uh, you know, somebody to come down and we have a group of people in our church or whatever. And we're going to take a, a course on because I was telling him the importance of, you know, communication. And I mean, he basically had no knowledge other than his cell phone, how to, what communication was. And I just said, this is a critical skill that you need to learn because, you know, the cell phone goes down. You're, you're going to what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you cannot communicate with your friends, family, whatever? And Matt, I think you hit a really good topic. You know, we, I think we've all watched too many uh, Rambo movies, read too many dystopian novels. You know, one guy basically has a, a red cape on with an S on his chest. And, you know, he, 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 he braves all enemies during the apocalypse and, um, you know, and, and he survives and, you know, he kills hordes of angry zombies. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun reading that stuff. I, I have to admit, I kind of like reading it at times, but it's not realistic. That's what I tell people is that you you need to incorporate in a community because I remember the question I asked you if if right now law and order broke down in Monroe County where I'm at how long before we have a a, a warlord? What was my answer when you said that? Twelve hours. No, 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 no. I said two hours. Oh, two hours. I said two yeah, hours. I mean, and, and, and I had a qualifier on that too. I had a qualifier behind that. Whoever controls the drugs. The very first person that goes to the the quote unquote pain management clinic, or uh, you know whatever they're calling themselves these days, the 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 slip and slide doctors, right? That that are that are putting these the, these these uh, op opioids over on everybody. Um, you go to those clinics if you want to be a warlord, and a warlord is not a good thing, by the way. No. Not a good thing. Uh, never, never have I ever used the term warlord. And I have many times describing different, uh, quote unquote, key leaders overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. Never have I ever met a warlord that was a decent human being. Never, never. They're all sociopaths. They're all people who would gut you like a deer in a heartbeat. They don't care. Right. All they're worried about is maintenance of their own status. That's all it is. Think Edie and mean. OK, some of the most evil people to walk the face of the earth. That is what these people are. They and, and you know, you know, you, something you said that was profound about the, the breakdown of civilization and how we're we're running into all this trouble. And, um, you know, we're kind of this nation in, in a constant state of post-traumatic stress. Right. The opioid addiction is engineered. We, we know that it absolutely is. Uh, and, and now I don't really think socially that we're going to be able to necessarily move past that. It's going to be at least one generation before we do, just knowing the toxicology, toxicology of these drugs. And so where I'm going with that is, is that, you know, in a, in a societal breakdown, which we're headed towards, there's nowhere that's going to be immune from this. Look at Chaz. Okay, the, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone that was in uh, Seattle. You know, they weren't insurrectionists, by the way. They weren't insurrectionists. They they were just they just burnt down a police department. They were armed. They had a warlord there within the hour. Yeah. Within the hour, this guy was a warlord, and he created his own secret police who were going around beating up anybody who didn't go along with his edicts. 
You right know, now that guy ended up getting carried out on a stretcher and it's pretty humorous. There's a lot of pictures of it. You can check that out. But he, the point is, is that you're going to run into all this right now. That's and that's why I said the church, because the church churches provide a moral foundation. Churches yes. provide that which gives us a guidance. It gives us a compass to our lives and how we need to be behaving. And you can bet. It, and, and I use this example a lot between 75 and 80 percent. Right. Of the opinions that are going to be in that church are going to be your own. They're going to be shared with you. You're going to agree with them. You're not going to agree with, with everybody on everything 100 percent of the time. But you can agree with them on, you know, 70 to 80 percent, 75 percent happy medium. And to me, that's a victory. To me, yeah. that's that's that I can work with these people and we have a shared common goal. We have a shared moral understanding. We have those underpinnings and that first principle that brings us all together. And when we lost that, when we lost that as a nation, that's when we really started to step on the gas of moral decline. And you could see it. You could see it from the 1960s forward. You can see the entire thing. And there, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but that's the most important thing that I think people can be doing right now. You can buy a bunch of stuff and that's all good and well. You got a bunch of stuff. You need the skill to use it, but you also need to have enough people around you and capable people, physically capable people under duress. And I'm sorry if you're 400 pounds and like, you know, we're in the middle of the summer. Hey, those four days in Telco Plains were oppressively hot. Yes, it was were. 95 plus degrees on the range each day that we were teaching the Intel course. It was even hotter, right? That weekend it was even hotter and that was absent the humidity. Okay. If, if you're an older guy and you know, you're, you're 400 pounds, you're not really doing anybody any good. If you know, you get into a gunfight where your adrenaline's pumping anyway, your heart rates through the roof and you have a heart attack. Yeah. And you know, now you, you're, you're part of a team. And now not only do we have to worry about winning the gunfight, now we got to extract you. And, you know, because we leave no man behind. I want to revisit what you were talking about with the, the whole myth of the, the lone hero. And, you know, whenever I see stuff like that, and I love those stories, too. You know, I, I, you know, I grew up with them, Rambo and, and all that stuff. Right. It's, it's all fun. But it's the epic of Gilgamesh applied in modern terms. Right. It's it's the the Greek mythological heroes applied to modern terms. It, it's. It is entertainment for us. It is giving us something to watch and say, hey, you know, an, an ideal type that we want to be like that. Right. But you're not like that. And things don't work like that. I'll, I'll say if, if anybody wants to know what you look like as a, a quote unquote loner out there, I want you to go back. You, you can find this on YouTube is a, a BBC made for TV uh, movie. But Bravo two zero. I want you to watch that, you know, and you've heard me talk about Bravo two zero a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. um, read the book. The book is, is better than the movie, but the movie wasn't too bad. Um, Lone survivor is another perfect example of that. It doesn't matter how much training or skill that you have by yourself in a grid down scenario. If you don't have people, I mean, humans, we, we developed as a tribal society. 
You know, we developed as as groups of people, as congregations, as communities, right? We developed that way for a reason because that's how we best function. When people are alone, we don't do so well. That's um, why I want to break down the family, Matt. That's the right. whole because the family is the nucleus of society. That's the glue that holds it together. But what I tell you, know, I tell people, you, you know, it's a core, it's a, a comprehensive plan. My community, you know, if I have extra night vision, my LE, my law enforcement needs it, and we got to keep the the drug lords out of here so they don't take over our community. I'm going to work with my law enforcement people. They might not be the best, although I think Monroe County Sheriff's Department is a pretty good sheriff's department. But I'm going to work with them. I'm going to work with civic organizations. I'm going to work with the churches, like you said. You know, we have a group of Amish here. I might, I'll try to work with them. You know, any way we can to bring cohesiveness to, to my community, that's what I'm going to do. And we're going to have people, because I've already mentioned this, you know, you've seen that big substation down in Teleco Plains. You know, maybe just do a little watch out to make sure that thing stays intact and our infrastructure stays intact. Because these people, and I think you brought up, I'm not going to, I don't want to mention anything, but you know what I'm talking about. There were people that you saw that might be infiltrating certain certain communities, um, you know, very clandestinely and, and under, you know, under the radar. But in a, in a time of crisis, those people are going to be like little moles that go out and just dig through and, you know, chew through the cables and, and whatever else. And they have a plan for it. And these people are well organized. As you as you said, I saw that in the class. Uh, Antifa and BLM using one time pad codes. Uh, a pretty good level of sophistication using communication effectively. They know what they're doing. They infiltrate a community. And unless you, you know, I can sit up in my retreat and I might last a day or two up there before somebody says, you know, there's a guy up there that has food and the warlord would be there and take whatever he wants. Um, and, and, you know, and if I tried to resist him, I'm just going to be dead. Uh, you know, you talked about Despotical. What was the movie with Nicolas Cage in it? Um, Lord of uh, War. Lord of War. Yeah. And yep. you remember, the, remember the, yeah, that guy in there? I mean, he was a cannibal. He just shot people for the fun of it. Uh, yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, you want to see what it is like. I don't think that movie embellished it too much. That's what no. it's like. No, it was, it was a, fairly accurate. Uh, Lord of War was based on a real guy, too. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, uh, the, um, uh, the the warlord himself was, was kind of a, a takeoff of jo- uh, Joseph Coney. Um, but, of course, it, there's been many, many others. And... Uh, but no, that, that that's a very good example. And, and, you know, when what I believe that we're headed towards economically, um, because the wolves are absolutely at the door, what you're going to see specifically as we go down the road, right, as we continue down this, this dark path that we're headed towards, we're going to have external forces that are going to be brought in as peacekeepers. Uh, because there's never been a nuclear armed country that had a complete and total collapse. The closest that that we came to that in the world was the Soviet Union. And it, it went through some challenges, but they and, and that was the closest it came to it. The thing, though, was that even with the Soviet Union, there was still national pride. They, they were uh, even though they were bankrupt, there was a number of things about the, the collapse of the Soviet Union that were very different from what may happen in the future United States. And it, for, for a lot of reasons, they still had a cohesive culture uh, that, that, you know, even with the, there were some uh, fractures in the dam, the glasnost, 
stuff, Pestroika, and, uh, and and what have you. They had some. They had a bit of a social uh, and cultural revolution and, and progressive forward of, of uh, warming up to Western ideas, but it wasn't in totes. And it wasn't so caustic to the point that, that we have it here in the United States now. And uh, it, it, so we're you have to understand that uh, an outside occupation force that comes in. Right. South America is getting built specifically for that by the Chinese and the Russians. Um, you know what others have called. I know you've been on with Dave Hodges a bunch of times. He's talked about, uh, you know, Red Dawn in America and you know, it, it, it's it's certainly on the table. OK, the the uh, you know, the individual facts, the supporting facts have changed a little bit over time. But the overall scheme of maneuver is absolutely there. The plausibility is certainly there. And when we see the players who are who are uh, very active south of the border and into South America, they they are going to supply a peacekeeping force that's going to be brought north. Okay, and they're going to be invited in when there's government in collapse. The military structure is failing. We don't have enough people in the military, by the way, to put down a large scale domestic insurrection either way, whether it was left or right or both, because I think it's going to be both. Yes, um, it, it, it's, it's going to be a left wing revolution. There's going to be a right wing counter revolution, and they're both going to struggle against the power structure coming out of D.C. That's how it's going to break down. And that, that's the thing that a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around. Right. So but, but what I want to say, though, the, the point is, and I'll toss the ball back to you, is the, these outside peacekeeping forces are going to do the exact same thing that we did in Iraq and in Afghanistan. They're going to pay whoever the local strongman is to maintain order and they're going to disengage and they're going to keep their forces out. So they minimize their casualties that way they can concentrate on the hotter areas. You know, when I was in Iraq, the second time I went to Iraq, that was Mosul, right? Mosul was still a, a hellhole. It was still an active shooting war going on in Mosul. Everywhere else had been mostly pacified. And what we had was little instances of sectarian violence where Americans kind of got caught in the middle because we were kind of the referees, right? And so that, that was what was going on everywhere else in Iraq. In that 2008 to 2009 time frame, right, and, and going forward is because we were trying to find stability and there was still little pockets, the major urban areas that were still in major conflict, right? That's going to happen here in the United States. So you got to understand that how are those warlords when they stand themselves up and they assert their dominance, which they're going to do in very hideous ways, by the way, they, they're not nice about this. And, and if you think that Americans are exempt from that level of violence, I want you to, to take a tour of downtown Detroit, downtown Baltimore, downtown Chicago, and you're going to see exactly what I mean. OK, and, and that goes without saying. So that's something people need to be prepared for. Bob. Yeah, um, you know, and again, you know, you read these these uh, Blue Helmet peacekeeping forces that go into a nation. I mean, they're they're. The rate of sexual assault charges against them is, is unbelievable. They rape children, women, whatever they want to do. They just rape them. And, and so that will be the that will be the reward uh, for the warlord. We, we, I want you to understand this. And I think you understand it. But if you take care of things, I don't care who you rape. We did that 
with ISIS. We knew ISIS was doing running the the, the, the uh, rape hotels uh, that they were using. They were kidnapping women and using them as brothels. We knew all that. It was uh, it winked at, but it was the warlord doing it, and they were keeping peace. And so we just let it happen. It, it, it's this is why we cannot let this happen in our communities. And and again, circling back to the fact that we need to work within the community to make sure that does not happen, because if not, it will happen very quickly. And, you know, I, I think the United States right now is different than a lot of other collapsed civilizations, maybe going back to Rome. But, you know, we have we have incorporated into a multi-ethnic, multi-religion society where people do, they do break down according to religion. They do break down according to ethnicity. It's just, a, it's a human thing that we do. Um, and and then, you know, on top of it, you know, the, the, the money is going to be degraded. I, I challenge people to watch a movie called Mr. Jones. I don't know if you've seen it, Matt, but it, it, it's, it, it's concerning the holodomer about a reporter that went over to the Soviet Union in 1932. And, you know, all the glowing reports of what Stalin was doing and building and how, you know, socialism was working so well and that. But, and then he, then he illegally went down in Ukraine and saw the degradation and the de deprivation, people dying in the streets, all that. You know, we don't think that can happen here, but our food supply is being attacked right now, unlike anything we've ever seen. The odds and probability of all these catastrophes hitting our food su supply at one time, I, I think, outs are outside the realm of credulity. Um, and on top of that, you know, all this new diseases we were just talking before the program. Now, uh, Fox News right now, right now, you can go there and read it, is talking about how congressmen are warning that, th that we are on the brink of making uh, designer viruses so that we can target people's DNA. So if they don't like you, you just die, but they don't know why you died because your DNA was uh, they made a disease specific for that. And, and so we have so many more issues in this country. Um, we've already, we've already uh, experienced a level of lawlessness that most societies don't uh, survive. Uh, and, and I had a, another guy who was in law enforcement, he was a psychological guy, you know, but he said, you know, we're a society that's saturated, saturated with violence. And then we're saturated with uh, perversion. And I mean, Jordan Peterson said it best. He said, you know, the average person in the United States today can see more perversion in sex than Caligula could in his lifetime. Um, and that's true. So this is this is saturated our society. And, and you have people that when this stuff breaks down I and mean, we see it, you just go into these cities. That's what you see. The, the lawlessness abounds. Um, and, and, and it comes to the, the you know, out here, I, I forgot what you called it, um, something about redneck liberals or whatever coming into the community. And, and we think that, that the, you know, the, the rural areas are safe, but they've been infiltrated too. going back right. to the fact that we absolutely need to have a plan to, to get the good people of our community, the people who want standard, the people who don't want to be live lives that are totally molested by a warlord or drug dealers or whatever. And we need to be able to work at a moment's notice to protect our infrastructure, to protect the people of our community, maybe even to control ingress and egress off the interstates or the main roads coming into our community, understanding that, you know, uh, truck bringing food or services into our community will be subject to being hijacked. All those things that we need to be, to be thinking about to, to again, to maintain, maintain normalcy. Because Matt, you know me, I, I think I have the historical and biblical understanding. I, I know I have the historical and I, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of biblical because of, you know, I read Deuteronomy 28 and the judgments that come upon a nation that does what we do. But historically, I look at our nation and we're last stage empire. 
Um, and, and when this thing does break down, I mean, it took the world 500 years to recover from when Rome fell. I mean, the world went into the dark ages. That's what happened. And all the all that knowledge, all that art. I mean, all the all this, you know, the the, the building, the aqueducts, all the the the, the roads, all, all the stuff that the, the buildings. It just all went into the dark ages, and it took humanity a long time to recover from it. And so, you know, if something like that were to happen now, you know, we need to be able to offer solutions to people of what you can do to survive, because nobody wants to see their family being the ones that are starved out or or, or whatever they have planned for you. And so, uh, you know, again, uh, I, I, you hit the nail on the head. The first thing we need to do is spiritually prepare. You know, when when Abraham, uh, the patriarch Abraham, went to go refu- re- rescue his um, his nephew Lot, who was kidnapped, you know, he, the first thing he had to have was that moral strength to say, I'm going to go into the enemy's camp, and I'm going to take back that which he has taken from me. He illegally took it. It doesn't, His obviously, those people didn't belong to him, kidnapped him, and he went back in there. So he had to have that moral strength. We get that from our faith, and that's why they hate faith so much, because they're not, the state is not my transcendent value. God Almighty is my transcendent value. He's the one that dictates to me what is right and what is wrong. And so I will obey those dictates, not the dictates of the state. So I have that moral infusion of, of power, that moral infusion of right and wrong and courage that God Almighty gives people. The second thing is, it's like Abraham, he had 318 men that's surrounded with, now men and women. Uh, we need to be surrounding ourselves with men and women of, of courage that aren't afraid to speak out. I'm not talking about people going, you know, crackpot people, um, you know, that want to go commit acts of violence. You know, those people, you know, as soon as I hear somebody say that, anything, you know, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to do that, man, that's, they're kryptonite to me. Um, you know, I, I want to, people that are going to encourage me, build me up, just say, let's, let's walk this road, let's do these things together, let's plan, you know, prepare, uh, pray, all those things. And then the third thing we absolutely need to do, they will use goods and services to starve you out. Um, historically, I mean, you know, the Russians did it. That's why in, in Russia, you know, they always kept the food supply at a bare minimum because if Ivan is running around just getting the basic necessities of life, Ivan doesn't have a chance to protest his government. And and then again, looking at the holodomer, that's what they use, starvation. And, and starvation has been used historically. So, you know, in, in preparing that way with food, learning how to garden, um, I, I'm a 30-year gardener and I still learn things even now. Um, uh, so it's not something that, you know, I, what, what, who, who said it? Um, I forgot what jerk in the Congress said it. Well, how hard is uh, farming? All you do is put a seed in the ground. You, who was that guy? You remember him? He said that. It's like, uh, dude. Was, was that uh, Leonidas, the 300? When he was he was criticized. No, no, no. Somebody, somebody, in our, somebody in our government recently said that. You know, I forgot. What oh, Congress oh, said. oh, that was uh, that was John Kerry. Yeah, yeah. How scary! Oh, you just put a seed in the ground and it grows up. <laughs> it's like, boy, right. yeah, well, yeah. I can tell you've yeah. lived on the government all your life um, because you have no idea what farming takes um, and well, how that food gets to you. But no, and, so, and, and their their opulence, and that's why you know a lot of a lot of people in the alternative media a lot of people in the the preparedness the survival communities you know w- which we're all a, a huge part of um and, and i love this community as much as i do but, but one of its pitfalls is that a lot of people in it 
fall into this dichotomy of thought. They think that it's, you know, it's, it's all one homogenous group at the top, the, the elites versus everybody else. And, and the conservatives are one faction of it. And I don't necessarily adhere to that. I, I think that, uh, John Kerry is a very good example of this is he, he is part of his own faction and, and the, the government structure, the power structure that in, inhabits the, the top ring of all the institutions, right? They, they're in a club as, as, uh, George Carlin put it there in a club, you and I ain't in it. Right. They they are part of their own faction and it's neither right nor left. It's just about maintenance of control, much like the Soviet Politburo as well. Um, they, they there is a political component. Yes, it, it absolutely is. But at the end of the day, it's about maintaining their power structure. And they, they want to do that through food. They're pretty, pretty blatant about that. We're seeing it now. Of course, the the heads of the economic sector are, are in on this as well. The heads of the military sector, the industrial sector, they're all part of this. Bill Gates, um, you know, Jamie Dimon is another one who is out there. George Soros. And, you know, we, we all are, as conservatives, we like to see structure in things because that's how we think we're 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 uh, structural functionalists in thought to, to use a little uh, sociology term there. And uh, we we t- tend to believe that everything has some sort of structure to it, that everything has a meaning to it. But there is a left wing revolutionary component here that is active, very active in the United States, has got outside support coming from Russia and China. And it, it is up until this point was politically convenient for the power structure in D.C., so they openly encouraged it and looked the other way when these guys were doing the things like they were doing at Chaz and Seattle and Portland and New York and Chicago and Atlanta and all all the places, right, until they're no longer convenient to them. And the militant left, this is a very interesting thing that I'm seeing, the militant left is warming up to this idea and they're no longer satisfied with the solutions they've been given politically. So they have an active campaign of subversion going on, too, because especially with Antifa, these guys are hardcore Maoists, meaning they're looking for rural revolution before they have urban revolution. And they're laying the groundwork for that now. And that's something that people need to be very cognizant of paying attention to, because in, in America, we haven't really had to wrap our minds around that aspect. And we don't really think about things in those terms because most people haven't seen it. But I'm telling you, it's there. Okay, it's there. And I want to bring one other thing up. Yeah, about, well, we we saw it in your neighborhood. We saw it. And and through, you know, what what we were doing in the intelligence course, that became a target of interest for me uh, as I was doing my, my site assessment the day prior to, to all the classes starting. And I took that day to just examine the baseline and establish what that is. And so what these, this doesn't fit. And so that became, and I, I, there were some other context cues that were there. Now it's time to get a little closer to this, to see exactly what's going on here. And my instincts were spot on. And that's not me bragging on me. That's me saying that, hey, if I can do this, Anybody else out there can do this with a little bit of education because I'm really not that smart of a guy. Right. But it is my job as a trained observer, as somebody who has done this for a living at one point in time in my life. And now my life is committed to teaching everybody else out there exactly what's going on and call it like I see it. 
this was what was happening. And I, I was not wrong. I was absolutely not wrong. And it was it, it, the way that it turned out is it was even more serious than what I had previously assessed. And so, you know, but but on that point is one thing that I want to I want to bring up and then we'll, we'll shift topics slightly is the revisiting this idea of the warlord. Right. Who who the warlords are going to be and how they're going to maintain their control through the drug clinics. Let me tell you something that's going on here in North Carolina, and I'm willing to bet it's probably the same where you are and where a lot of the listeners are here in the United States. All of the left wing militant groups that are out there, whether it's uh, Antifa or it's Redneck Revolt, which Redneck Revolt is very active in Appalachia um, and uh, John Brown Gun Club, Socialist Rifle uh, Association, all these groups. Right. One of the things that they're doing and they were talking about this. It wasn't that long ago on a, a, a program that comes on NPR called Democracy Now. And it's a far left communist news outlet and it's an independent news outlet. But it's one that, that I think everybody needs to pay careful attention to. They were interviewing some of the leaders of these groups. This wasn't that long ago. One of the things they were advocating were needle exchanges. Right. Why would they be doing that? Why would they be actively in inciting needle exchanges, right? Advocating needle exchanges because they know that, all right, if, if I have X number of potential recruits who are addicted to opioids, who are probably addicted to heroin now, fentanyl, any of the things, intravenous drugs out there. And even if it's, even if they haven't started going to intravenous drugs yet, they're still going to turn out out there. They're going to support that because all the druggies like to hang out with one another. And they're going to talk. Well, now all of a sudden, if if I'm the budding warlord and I'm already doing that, and and by the way, this isn't a new thing either. They've been doing this for several years now, at least since the mid 20 teens. Now I have mapped out the human terrain of people I know that I can use and I can weaponize. And when you're fiending for drugs, when you're fiending for opioids. You're going to do what I want you to do, not me, because I, I wouldn't I, I don't operate this way because I, I, I'm a moral person. But if I were the warlord, if I were the one that says I'm controlling this area, those are the people that I'm going to weaponize. Those are the people that I'm going to use to my advantage. And I'm telling you right now, this is something that I haven't heard any of the usual conservative pundits Nobody even address this or talk about this because maybe they don't know. Maybe they're too uncomfortable with talking about it. But that is a population that the that the radical left is absolutely, absolutely 100 percent weaponizing and will continue to do so as we experience a further economic and social decline in this country. You know, Matt, I have a friend, Scott, and he worked with the drug task force in Tennessee for a long time. And he told me this one particular case of this one girl, very pretty, attractive girl. And they found her in a hotel room um, with five guys. And as long as they were giving her drugs, they just went over and over and over and over again. OK, I'm not going to go into too much detail. You oh, yeah. And no, then, it's a thing. Anybody in law enforcement knows it. You don't have to be in law enforcement. You just have to have grown up in kind of a rough area like I did. And, and you see it. You're you're already familiar with it. And Matt, the, the two two things I want to bring up. And when they when the when the, when the police went in there to arrest 
all that that group and they arrested her um thank god she finally got her life straight but um you know she told the cops if you just give me some drugs i'll let you sleep with me also um that's what she told the police um and she was a normal middle class girl and just got drug into that life well there's millions of people out there and one thing i want to address is that the government now since it's moved away trying to get off people off opiates they've they've put something on the market that is absolutely uh, far far more addictive it's called suboxone not a lot of people are familiar with it but it is it is it is more, more addictive than methadone or more addictive than heroin and they give it to these people. It's an opiate antagonist and has a little bit of opiate in it. But the half-life, I think, of opiates are like eight hours. The half-life of this drug is 72 hours. And you can go watch on YouTube people trying to get off Suboxone, and very, very, very few people ever get off of it. And when when that Suboxone dries up or you do control the uh, the, the Suboxone out there um, through the, the Suboxone clinics, I, I don't know how other states work Tennessee has these suboxone clinics and you can go there and just watch. It's not done in a therapeutic setting to where you're trying to get people off drugs. These drugs are just prescribed forever because, I mean, you know, you figure it uh, a couple hundred dollars a visit. You know, they get 50 people a day. Uh, you look at that money and it is a lot there. Well, that's going to quickly turn, as you said, to where somebody gains, uh, you know, uh, in control of those uh, that type of uh, medication. And the next thing you know, they will run the community. This is, again, why we need to really work with the community and the churches, the law enforcement and other people in our community to make sure that doesn't happen. Because they I believe the globalists want this. I mean, they know what they're doing. They know if they if they break the family down, it breaks the, 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 the state down. It breaks everything down. This is why they, they don't want children. And, and you look what they're doing to, to children today. It's all done to break down the paradigm that God gave humanity for successful civilizations. And so everything that can be done is being done. Um, you know, just the whole you, taking children out of school and putting them, isolating them. Well, you know what isolation does, putting a face mask yep. on somebody, which absolutely was proven that it that doesn't work. But anyhow, you cover their face up. You don't let them see each other. And you just saw suicide rates soar. Um, it, it's, it's all being done deliberately. And this is the thing. Do you want to just be uh, be out there and when it happens, just have to go along with it? Or do you want to make plans around what they have for you? I, I would rather think I'm gonna, I want to have other plans so that my family, my children, my grandchildren, and even now my great-grandchild, um, we can do something different. And this is not something that's going to happen by stand, happenstance. You know, just think of this. Um, well, I'm just going to trust God. Okay, I'm glad Noah didn't think that way. I mean, I'm, you know what you're going to do when you just trust God? And I don't I, I'm not being I'm not putting faith in God down. I'm just saying God always faith without works dead. You're going to be looking for driftwood, you know, something to hang on to. But the, the guy who plans is going to build an ark. I mean, imagine right. Joseph. We'll just put big piles of wheat somewhere. We'll just stick in a pile and when you need it, you'll have it. No, he had to build silos. The, I've always often thought of log, the logistics of storing enough wheat for seven years for a million or two million people. That, that was a heck of a logistics uh, effort on Joseph's part. So this is gonna require, I mean, and we're late in the game, but it's requiring people to come forward right now and to realize I've got to do something. I just can't sit on, on, on my laurels. I have all this gear in my house. I have this, I have that, but I need to, I need really need to start putting it into plan and start working with it because if I don't, um, you're just not gonna make it happen. I mean, I, I know people that are buying, 
I don't, I can't believe how many people bought Bofang radios. And I said, well, do you know how to use it? We just turn it on and talk. <laughs> no. No, no, it doesn't work that way. I mean, do, do you know how to do you know how to do an offset frequency on it? Do you know how to do a carrier tone on it? If you want to hit a repeater, um, do, do you know how to set the power ratings on it? I, I mean, no. I, I think, man, you've just bought a gun, having never used a gun. You've bought the bullets. You've bought the magazines. You've sticking it all in your nightstand. Somebody's breaking in at two o'clock in the morning, and you're going to get that gun, load the magazine, put the magazine in the weapon, charge the weapon, and effectively discharge the weapon to stop the assailant. Right. It's not going to happen. Um, and no. so, uh, again, with comms, with any of these things, uh, going back to what we were talking about, the importance right now of putting it into training. I'll tell you, I'm 66, and, you know, I can't, I, just like you said, I can't do what I did when I was your age. I, I can't. Uh, but I, I still train every day, <clears throat> you know, in my garden. I'm out there learning every day. I'm, I'm, I'm incorporating stuff every day. I want to learn things that that not only make me benefit to where I can save my life, but I, I become more effective at saving my wife's life and my, in my in, even in my community that I can teach gardening. I can teach radio. And I know you've said that when you teach these courses, I'm not training you just to, so you can train. I'm training you to take this back to your communities. I, I've heard you say that. Um, so that you can be the guy who teaches when you when it happens, you know, right. how, how, how to do that. And so um, I, I don't know how much time we have left, but, uh, you know, I think that's a, that's so important. And I think it's I think it's an overlooked thing. So many times I buy gear. I have this, uh, you know, I have my retreat and, you know, God help anybody who comes up my driveway. Uh, right. <laughs> I, well, they don't you don't have to wait for them to come up your driveway. Yeah. They, they don't even have to come up your driveway. OK, they, they can for, for all the folks to think like, oh, I'm just going to sit on my little hovel and I'll be fine. OK, um, we'll see how that works out, because that has literally never worked out for anyone ever in the history of mankind. No. Hey, so. Yeah, you know, Masada, I mean, they yeah. have the best, best fortifications probably humanity's ever known. Masada, the Jewish, the Jewish revolt. I mean, but yet through patience, the Romans took it over. I mean, they were patient. They planned their, their siege works and they absolutely took over Masada. Um, and so you just you look at it. It, it, it. This is a network community thing. Obviously, you have to have gear. Um, yeah, I would say, you know. Knowing how to garden that you can continue in perpetuity make food um, is a is a critical skill. I mean, I, I'll just say that in our small gardens, we make tons of food. We bring it and give it away to people, and it's all organic. You know, and, and just it's easy to do if everybody did that. Just think of the national. I mean, if the government was really in interested in national security, just think if the government ran a gardening program where they taught civilian, gar you know, gardening um, in, in a local environment where you have an agriculture department that actually encourages people to grow home farms. I mean, you know, home gr uh, gardens where you could make produce, raise animals. Now they're just they're, they're doing everything they can against that. You know, um, case in point, we just see this war on on livestock. That you know, cow farts, chicken farts, whatever it is, they want, they have to, you know, they're, they're going to try to regulate because again, we have statutory authority through climate emergency. You can't have cows anymore. I mean, they're doing everything they can to starve you out. Um, Amazon has just issued that. I think it's August 6th. They will no longer allow you to sell Mylar bags on Amazon. Now, I think this is just the start. The reason is, I mean, uh, of course, it's all the drug dealers out there. I mean, we. You know, think how stupid it is. It just gets me. We have open borders. 
We have fentanyl by the ton coming across the border. We have all kinds of drugs coming across the border, but you know, you can't have any mylar bags. You know, those 10 mylar bags you you, you buy might might just ruin the nation. I, you know, to me, it's just such an obvious just you know reason to to prevent people from storing food. The mylar bag is the benchmark. It is the standard SOP, standard operating procedure that if you want to store food long term, you can put it in those mylar bags. You you know, put your wheat in there, put your beans, whatever it is, put it in the mylar bag. And the nice thing about mylar bags, you can buy the big ones, cut them into small ones, use an iron, and you can make small ones out because they they'll heat seal. Um, and you can store an incredible amount of food for long periods of time in the mylar bags, oxygen absorber in a mylar bag, 25 years. So, I mean, and now they're starting to rein this in to where they're not going to be available. And I, I, I can tell you right now, this is why you don't wait. Matt, after Amazon announced that, what do you think happened to the mylar bag market? Dried up. Uh, yeah, dried it up. Uh, I buy a thousand of them. You know, I mean, yep. we, you have, we have people doing that. And this is why you prepare ahead of time, because this this type of thing is going to continually happen. You know, whatever they decide is, is the is the is the the, the thing that they want to get rid of. They're going to make it some demonize it some way. I mean, good grief. People using mylar bags to smuggle drugs. If I'm a major drug smuggler, I'm not going to buy them on Amazon. You don't want to be like buying grow lamps on Amazon. You don't think law enforcement looks at that? Time? Oh, this guy's bought a thousand mylar bags. No, we're gonna, have to go, we're gonna have to go against grandma who buys ten. Anybody who goes on Amazon and buys thousands of mylar bags, which a, a major drug dealer would have to do, I, I think somebody in law enforcement's gonna scratch their head and go, "Hmm, I wonder what he wants this for." He's buying all these grow lights. What do you think he wants them for? You know, uh, it, 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 it's just ridiculous because it, it, law enforcement would really want to keep that avenue open because they would know who's who is doing drugs. I mean, I know law enforcement puts grow lights in some like uh, it used to be the Stoner magazine. I forgot the name of it, but they would advertise grow lights in there because people would call and go. Oh, I live at high one. Three, yeah, high times. I high live times. at yeah. one, two, three Main Street. Send me three grow lights. Well, what if you? I mean, if you just told law enforcement, I live at one, two, three Main Street. So you're ordering a thousand mylar bags. It, it, it's total. But stuff that comes out of the south end of a northbound mule. I mean, there. This is a war. It's an attack because I've actually heard them say people who store food, um, uh, they're they're white supremacists. I've heard uh, all kinds of things. You know, they're they're whatever. I mean, they've really said that people who store food are are, are you know basically some pejorative or another. So this is the first step at getting rid of it. Now, anybody who's ever owned a Harvest Right freeze dryer. That's what they sell with their freeze dryer or mylar bags. You stick the food in after you freeze dried it. I, Matt, I add that bit of intelligence, and we know intelligence is like a puzzle. With what I see, the destruction of the food supply, the deliberate with the war in Ukraine, all the stuff that happened, the wheat supplies drying up. We see that the uh, the the war on animals, chickens, seventy million have died. You know, cows dying. All you know, baby formula. You name it. When you put all that together and you look at it as a as a conglomerate instead of individual pieces, I mean that that to me paints a pretty strong picture of, you know, they don't want people storing food. Um, I I can tell you right now, um, the government storing it. I just with Mountain House, I know through good channels that they, uh, you know, they the government buys that their food, but they up the the contract delivery dates 
to where now you can't even buy Mountain House. Uh, thank you for turning me on to Peak Refuel. I mean, we're now distributors of Peak Refuel, and boy, oh boy that's, that's the best tasting food I've ever had as far as freeze dried food. Um, <laughs> it is. Not next it is. to my wife. I mean, you've eaten some of her food, and I wish they, oh, yeah. I, I wish I could freeze dry her food. <laughs> well, so. yeah, you know, it, and and again, it, it all owes to what people need to be doing right now. You know, it, it, heed the warning, folks. It, it, preparedness is one of those things. It, it's been a, a buzzword. It's been a good sales advertisement for, you know, a, a lot of folks out there. Um, they bought stuff. Maybe they've even got training, you know, but but you need to be doubling down on what you're doing right now because the storm is on top of us. All right. Hey, Matt. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention two products we have. Any you know we sell the night vision, and you know the importance of those light interference filters. Because I know when you take your night vision course, you're not allowed you're not allowed to use a laser because a laser will do instantaneous damage. One of those infrared lasers. If somebody points one at a night vision, it'll burn it. Um, and I actually had a guy who uh, bought a night vision and he turned the the laser on and wanted to see what it looked through his night vision and he burnt this big black line in it. But um, Anybody who buys a night vision right now from ready-made resources, we're going to give you a free light interference filter. That's what blocks those lasers from going in and doing the damage. Um, they're like 160 bucks. Uh, they're very difficult to find. We got about 25 of them. So anybody who buys a night vision gets that $160 thing free. Just mention uh, Matt in the little comment section, and you'll get a free light interference filter. And then the other thing I just want to mention is the Lifesaver Jerry Can Water Filter. It's one of the best you can have. It's military-grade. It um you can fill it up you can fill it up 20 liters anywhere dirty water whatever not salt water but dirty water and you don't have to stay at the water source because uh, the the filter actually screws into it and you can pump it up put it under pressure and what comes out of that jerry can the, the lifesaver is viral clean bacteria clean uh, spores taken out sediments taken out and chemicals taken out so it's one of the best things you can get and we have those um, Amazon has them for 349 right now we have it for 275 so anybody wants them we got a big shipment of them in we've been waiting and waiting and waiting to get them and that's a different topic altogether the supply chain breaking down but um, those are two things I just wanted to mention to people um, and, and and again if anybody has any questions questions on any of this we really will work with people um, on developing a preparedness plan no pressure i'm not going to pressure you to say well you got to buy this i'm not going to do that it's not my way but you know it it, it varies what you need on in the, the 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 makeup of your family do you have young children in your family do you have elderly in your family what political environment do you live in do you live in the cold do you live in the uh the south you know if if, if you live up in some place like minnesota you know water water when it freezes it expands so any water filter that you have if you don't take care of making sure it doesn't expand the water doesn't expand you're going to ruin your water filter so there's ways that you can keep a small room warm um, without doing the charcoal. I know I, every year I read people to start something in their house that makes carbon monoxide and they kill themselves. But, you know, you can make a little alcohol stove. They're fairly inexpensive to make and you could keep a small room warm, uh, even in a cold environment. And, um, you know, those are things that you can do. Or they're simple to make. Um, and so, you know, we really do like to do that because, you know, my 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 thought is this, Matt, as you your you and your ability to prepare and are prepared increases, it increases my chance of survival as well, because in a community, that's how we work. The more community is prepared, the better that community can face, you know, hardship when it comes. And it is coming like a freight train towards America right now. 
um, I, who was it, um, the major CEO of the major investment firm, they actually used the word hurricane. Um, uh, well, anyhow, I, I don't know, you, you was a major CEO of one of the major investment firms. The, I think it's the largest yeah. in the country. And he said, America is, we're, we're facing a hurricane right now that is going to not go away anytime soon. So, no, you know, we can, we can ignore all these, yeah, we can ignore all these warnings and think, you know, Griswold or somebody else who's just trying to sell junk. Um, you know, you know me, Matt. You know my background. I could be doing a lot of other things. I, I was a success, successful builder. I've done a lot of things in life. This yep. is what I have passion to do. So you can. Well, do and and you don't sell junk either. I want to point that out to the audience. Everything that you've got is very high end. Um, you don't sell trinkets. You're not no. like some of the other guys that have come and went that are selling cheap Chinese crap. And, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're selling top tier equipment. And while I have you here it, and with just a a little bit left in the program, I want to talk specifically about night vision and setting up a weapon for night vision. So just coming out of fighting carbine course, there were a lot of people um, in that, that was a, a, completely full class. I actually had more people than, than I thought that I was going to have in that class, which is always a good thing. Um, but you know, normally I like to keep that class, uh, between 10 and 12. And, um, you know, I've, I've taught them bigger than that, but it becomes like herding cats kind of, especially when we get to the night vision portion. And, um, one of the things that's very nice to see is that more and more people are, integrating night vision into their setups and that they're actually training with it and they're taking the time to train with it, which is always very, very good. Um, real quick, I wanted to ask you for the audience because a, a lot of folks out there, the people who have trained with me know how my weapons are, are set up and it's not any different than what, you know, what, whatever you see, um, you know, dot guys with dot mill backgrounds kind of, we, we all kind of have this sort of similar setup with our weapons. And, um, it, there's reasons for that because we know what works. Okay. Um, so real quick with, with your background as a, as a dealer and a guy that's got a mountain of training, professional training on your end, um, Talk me through your personal weapon setup. So, you know, you're, you're going out, chips are down, you're going to have to do a raid or conduct an ambush or, or all the small unit tactics stuff or whatever, right? Or, or you know, just day-to-day stuff. How is your weapon set up? What do you personally use and what do you recommend? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what not to do first. You know, in the 1990s, people mounted night vision to their AR platform, and they looked through some type of thing that had a red dot on it. That might be good in a a situation where you have an observation post, but let's just look at it realistically first. um, In order to be effective in in that scenario, you have to hold the weapon up in combat-ready position, which I don't care if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, your arms are going to fatigue within a minute or so, and you're going to let that weapon down, and you're going to be looking at dirt. Um, second thing is that if I have uh, my night vision on my weapon and I want to see what you're doing at night, what am I going to do, Matt? I got to violate one of the prime rules of firearms. Yep. I got to point my gun at you to look at you. And, and then the third thing is, you know, we've done that night vision training where we're in pretty heavy woods. Walk around with that night with the, that rifle up in combat ready position and with a lot of limbs and vines and things like that. I mean, you're going to end up getting that stuff caught 
really quick on vines and tangled and whatever, you know. And, and so, you know, what what the the modern setup is is that people would purchase an infrared aiming laser. Let me let's just define what the infrared laser is. You have visible lasers, then you have infrared lasers that you cannot see unless you're looking through them through night vision. It's really a neat thing. Um, you mount that laser. Um, I like the Holison, the LS three twenty one RG red or green laser. Um, I like mounting those. You mount that to your your weapon. You sight it in like you sighted any scope. And man, I, I would say this: if you sight that weapon in. Uh, that laser inaccurately, I would say most people, uh, because all you do is put the laser on the target, are going to be more accurate uh, shooting at night than they would through a scope during the day at the same distance. Because, I mean, it does take some skill looking through a scope. But if you put that laser and it's sighted incorrect at the right distance, I mean, it, it's going to hit it. I mean, I, I know I can go out 200 yards and ping steel all night long uh, from 200 yards away on a dark night. So that's the setup that I have. I have an infrared aiming laser, which also has a visible laser. The nice thing about a Holocene is that if I sight the visible laser in, it co-witnesses the invisible laser. So you don't have to go out at night and play around. What did I hit the target? Go down and look at the target and do all that. I sight the green laser in during the day. My infrared laser is sighted in. And it also has a infrared, uh, infrared illuminator on it. So let's just say... Um, you are looking at a target on an extremely dark night. You're in the middle of the woods, which I th think that last time we did the night vision training was like that. It was cloudy, miserable, raining in the woods. And, you know, night vision will start to get snowy to where it doesn't work because it needs some light. Now, I'm saying it works on an incredible low light, but eventually it starts to get a little snowy. Now, you don't want to walk around with either your infrared laser, your visible laser, or your infrared illuminator on. But if you see something at distance, you can briefly hit that illuminator, and it does light everything up like Christmas. So that, la that laser has those three functions on it. And that's my setup. I have, I have my nods where they belong in front of my eyes. So they're on a helmet or a head mount or that head crusher. They're there with my nods in front of my eyes. And then I have an infrared aiming laser mounted to my AR-15 that's sighted in. I know the U.S. Army does a 50-yard sight in. Um, and that either the Marines or the Army, it gives you combat effective hit out to 300 yards. So, I mean, who's going to squabble about a little bit of difference? It gives you a combat effective hit. Um, but again, going back, you have to train. You just can't throw a night vision on, throw the Holocin on and figure out, well, you know, it's got to be sighted in. You, you're going to have to sight it in. So it takes training. That's the way you take Matt's class. So that's that's the way I do. I also ha have some ancillary things, the light interference filter. If people are using those infrared lasers and I've seen the damage it does and somebody shines one of those lasers down into your night vision, it, it damages it very quickly. So the light interference filter, the ones I'm giving away free with night vision this week, um, th that I also carry some infrared, just a few infrared chemical illuminating lights. They like the green, red, blue, you know, ones, except these glow infrared. So I could mark something for other people that have nods on that normal people aren't going to see. And they also make like this uh, this trap that you can actually stick one of those infrared chemical lights in and cross it across a, a commonly traveled area. Um, so you have a, this little, it's like a mouse trap. It has a little hammer on it. It that cracks the night vision. I mean, it cracks the infrared light, a little string going to the other part. If somebody walks across that, it's going to pop that chem light. That way, you know, that avenue of approach has been violated. So if you had property you wanted to protect, you could set those up around your property high enough, you know, so, you know, you're not going to have a dog or something do it. Um, but um, at the same time, if somebody walks there, you get to pop that chemical light. They're not going to know it's been broken. And but you'll see that avenue of approach has been violated. So those are just some of the things that I do. And again, I train. My son and I train. We go out. Um, I've actually put infrared uh, headlights on my truck. 
So I can actually, you know, you can drive a, a car with night vision on. It's a little problematic because you got reflection off the glass of your windshield and you got to deal with the, the lights inside the dome and everything. So you can just turn them off. Uh, a lot of times those lights, if you turn your lights off, the, the dome lights in your car don't go off. The, the ones that do your, your odometer and stuff, just put a towel over it. You'll hide it. And with, without without those infrared lights, headlights on, I can drive about 20, 25 miles an hour. You have to drive slower. Uh, I put those infrared uh, by light force, put those on my truck. You've seen them. Boy, you can drive in those backwoods 70 miles an hour down the highway, perfectly normal. That's how good they do with all black, your car blacked out. Now, be careful doing that. You don't want to get caught driving down the road with night vision on. Some trooper pulls you over with your lights off. You got, as I think Ricky Ricardo said, you got some explaining to do. Um, so, that those, that's some of the things I do, but but just on a tactical level, uh, there's nothing that you can buy. Most people can buy. I, I can't afford an Apache attack helicopter. Um, maybe if I was in the Ukraine, you could buy a, a you know, Ivan would sell you one of his uh, um, javelin missiles. Yeah, $10,000. Yeah, um, but for the average person in the United States, you, you, you know, night vision or thermal uh, in both are very, very good. I think we've seen that's a perfect marriage between the two. One measures light, one measures heat. Um, that's about the most tactically advantaged thing that you can buy with normal amounts of money. And, you know, in your classes, we've seen the benefits of both of those uh, technologies. We do have uh, quite a few units in stock. Um, yeah, and some places, if you go, you're going to wait 12 to 14, 16 weeks to get that type of night vision. We have it in stock. We can send it up generally within about 48 hours. Same with thermal. So we, we have those in stock. Um, if people wanting it, there's a, uh, we do have a financing company that you can pay for it, you know, 150 bucks a month. You can get a really good night vision. Um, so we'll work with you any way we can to, to make it happen. But, um, you know, just just knowing and reading what people do, just to, just imagine this scenario. You know, you've got a guy in a house without night vision. You're outside the house. You pop a couple rounds. The bad guys, let's just say not you, when I'm saying bad guys come and pop a couple rounds into that house. You know, the guy inside that house is going to think you're out there all night long. The zombies are out there all night long waiting. You're not going to go to sleep. You're going to stay up thinking he's out there. Something's out there going to get you. The guy who did the pop, popped a couple rounds, he can go and lay down, sleep, eat, whatever, come back three or four hours later and do the same thing again. And you'll think he's been out there all night. He's going to break down your sleep patterns. And after three or four days without sleep, and I know what that feels like, you're going to start making some serious, serious er errors. Now, on the other hand, if you had the night vision, you're on parity with him. And then, you know, it equals things up. Um and, and let's dispel a couple of the myths while we're at it. You know, I've heard the guys tell me, well, I'm just going to shine a flashlight at you and blind you. <laughs> Turn the TV off. That doesn't work that way. And second of all, how are you going to know where to point the flashlight? <laughs> I have night vision on. There's no you can't see me. I'm hiding somewhere. You know, you're not going to know where to shine the flashlight to begin with. Or I've got dogs or geese. Anybody who does a proper recon of your property is going to scope it out for, you know, 48 to 72 hours. They're going to see all that. And that'll be the first thing they take out from a distance. So, um, you know, they're not going to just walk up on a piece of property cold and have a bunch of dogs barking at them, and geese or whatever. They're going to watch it and, and take the appropriate action to take out that threat or that, that alarm clock, put it that way. So uh, those are just some of the things I say. But again, uh, free light interference filter if you buy night vision this week. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, we are coming up on the hour and a half mark and uh, went a little <laughs> bit longer in this episode just because uh, we covered 
so much. Uh, it's really, really amazing. As always, brother, as always, thank you for being on with us. You're welcome. Let me get my phone number out, um, 800-627-3809. If you buy it online, readymaderesources.com, just make sure you put in the comments section. I, I heard that offer on uh, from Matt. Sounds good. Sounds good. Definitely reference Radio Contra. Um, and, and again, you know, get out there, get the training, get the training. You, you can have all the stuff, buy the stuff You because, you know, you absolutely need the equipment to create parity, but it isn't doing you any good without proper training. All right. Without proper training. So brushbeater.org slash training calendar. Got some new dates up there going into 2023. The training calendar is completely maxed out for the remainder of the year. I've got class coming up in Wyoming where I'm going to be doing the scout course out there. So if you are in the Western States, that's going to be, by the way, that's going to be the last time until next June that I come out into the Western part of the country. Uh, so if you're looking for one of the best courses of its kind being taught, bar none, you want to get the experience of doing all of this stuff, small unit tactics environment, learning how to stalk, learning how to camouflage yourself, your equipment, learning how to um, uh, run a small unit patrol as a group, how to ambush, how to uh, conduct a raid. Hey, get with me. Send me an email. All right. Got this web store that's going to be opening up very, very soon. The IT folks putting the finishing touches on that. We're going to have some really cool products that are going to be coming out. A lot of logo stuff. A lot of things that a lot of people are very, very excited for. Uh, I kind of shared it with the class out there, some of the stuff that's coming out. They were all really excited. Uh, most of the people wanted to buy it right then and there. And I was like, I can't, I, I can't yet because you got to wait for the web store to open. I want to make sure that I've got a, a big inventory of everything that I'm going to be offering uh, hey, before all that's opened up. Right, go ahead. One last thing I want to say is I, I took that course and we did the ghillie suits. We made our own ghillie suits. And I remember yep. um, you taught it really well. I, I got some natural grasses and I, I have there's a field on my property that's mowed. I climbed in behind some uh, briars and I was six inches away from a crowd of 20 people standing there. I, I, I put the natural grasses around me, had the ghillie suit on and they could not see me. I'm telling you, that was very empowering. Um, to do that. And I mean, you, 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 oh, yeah. you teach that, you teach that at the class. I mean, they were standing right on top of me, right on the edge of the field. I was in the briars looking right up at them and they're looking around, couldn't find me. Um, that, that was empowering. Oh, you got the picture of it too. I took a picture. Yes, yes you, I do. You, you have that picture in your office. Yes, I do. Um, that's, that's so. like one of your, your crowning achievements uh, <laughs> that was up there. And I, 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 I thought that was hilarious. I was well, you, you taught the class well. So, but yeah, I mean, that one lady was standing right next to me. My, my hand was like six inches from her leg. I wanted to reach out and snake bite her with my hand, but she had a gun in her hand. I was afraid she might have an ND <laughs> and, and shoot me. <laughs> so Even with was, a blank, it, it has a taste to it. When yeah, I, I decided not to do that. So, yeah. But yeah, her, her leg was six inches from my hand, and I could have reached out and grabbed her ankle, you know, and yeah. freaked her out. But I, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't know her well enough to do it. So. No. Anyhow, brother, God bless you. Thank you for being on with us. 
Um, again, readymaderesources.com, American Partisan Site sponsor, Radio Contra sponsor. Order something, reference Radio Contra in the comments. And uh, again, look forward to having all of you in class out there because that's where we're really putting the metal in the meat, literally, literally. God, uh, Bob, God bless you, brother. God bless you too, brother. And this is NC Scout out. Yeah.